Hey, Molly Herford here with another episode of the Business of Fitness podcast here on the Feisty Media Network. I'm so excited to be here, so excited that Sarah Gruss has let me take over the Women's Performance Podcast feed here to talk about all things business in the fitness industry. Uh, I know between the quote-unquote great resignation, the pandemic giving us this more time to work from home, I know so many women who've been trying to make it in the fitness industry, whether we're talking about wanting to start your own yoga studio, uh, be a personal trainer, become a physical therapist, write a book, launch a podcast, uh, you know, do some freelance work for fitness-oriented or endurance sport-oriented magazines, or even just work for a more kind of standard company within the fitness space. Uh, a lot of people want that right now, and we are here to help you figure out exactly how to get there. And if you're already part of the way there, we're also here to give you some tactical, practical tips and pieces of advice for maximizing your time, getting more stuff done, and giving you much more time in your day to get out there and do the thing that we love, which is probably training for your next race, event, or competition. So this week, we have Zwift's Kate Verano. She is the uh, women's coordinator over there. She's in charge of all women's development, women's programming at Zwift. You might know her from the billion and one interviews that she did around the Tour de France Femmes Avec Zwift, uh, the Zwift-sponsored version of the Tour de France that took place for the first time ever this summer. It was an amazing event, but that is not Kate's first foray into women's stuff with Zwift. She came on board six years ago when they launched Zwift Academy, which was the hunt to find the next pro-women's cyclist who actually got a spot on the Canyon SRAM team in that first year. Let's just like pause and think about how cool and how wild that proposition was six years ago before riding the trainer in the winter was this super common thing that everyone did where everyone was on Zwift chatting away and going on quote unquote group rides on Zwift. They were already doing this thing that allowed a woman to actually pursue her dreams of being a pro cyclist. And they've done it every year since. So we talk all about that. We also talk about how she got that job, because let's be honest, most of us are looking at women like Kate thinking, how the heck do I get her job? Well, we get into it. But we also get into what the day-to-day -day really looks like. Because sure, it's great being at the podium ceremonies for the Tour de France Femmes of X-Swift, but it's not all uh, handing out podium squirrels and, uh, you know, hopping on planes and jet setting around the world. There's a whole lot more blood, sweat and tears that goes into all of this stuff. And we get into all of that, plus how she manages juggling bit, you know, tons of big projects all at once. Uh, when, you know, one project is launching, but another project is just in the percolation phase, another project is still being kind of finished up. How do you keep all that straight? We get into all of that is such a fun conversation. And I think no matter what you're doing right now, where you are in the industry, where you want to be in the industry, you will find some nugget of amazing wisdom in this episode. So without further ado, enjoy the business of fitness with Kate Verno. Is this your like studio here? What's up? Yeah, this is, um, this is my, uh, it's LA. So this is my spare bedroom, my pain cave, my, my uh, cap collection room. And my bike closet and um also the great dane's bedroom bruce, bruce oh, 
<laughs> I love it. I love it. I feel like this is actually like a perfect um, embodiment of like everything that you do you know, all in one place. It kind of is. It's a, it's a little chaotic, but I'm a little chaotic, so I like it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, well, let's let's get right into this because I feel yeah. like even this explanation of what is in your spare bedroom is like maybe the most beautiful like it beginning is. to a podcast ever. So. Kate, welcome to the Business of Fitness podcast. I'm stoked on everything we get to talk about. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you, Molly. Okay, so before I get into it, I have to ask, how was the Tour de France Femmes of X Zwift? Which, by the way, I've been practicing saying for like a month and a half, and I feel like I can say it so quickly now. That was so smooth. It's perfect. Um, it was absolutely surreal. That's like the only way I've been able to describe it because there's just not the words to properly capture uh, what an incredible moment it was, um, how impressive the racing was, the crowds, the feeling, seeing so many women in the industry there just crushing it. Um, it was just thrilling. Oh, it was so good to watch. And from the footage, it seemed like it was like just as popular as the men's race, if not more so. It was nuts. I get goosebumps when I even think about it. Um, the numbers that we saw immediately around like French TV just blew uh, every other race out of the water. Um, it's really uh, just, just astounding. It really exceeded expectations. People tuned in, people came out, lined the roads. It was everything I wanted and everything that the women deserved. So uh, very, very thrilled. All the sponsors are thrilled. Uh, the fans were especially thrilled. Great moment in sport. Yeah. And I think from the business standpoint, you know, you and I had spoken about this uh, before the race had started. And we talked about the fact that, you know, it's all well and good to talk about women's racing and want to have it. And, you know, from the fan perspective, like be really excited about it and pumped up about it. But if it doesn't work on a business, like from the business side and from the viewership side, mm -hmm. it's never going to completely, it's, it's never going to succeed because, you know, brands can't just like keep throwing yep. money at like, you know, unfortunate racing. And yes. it seems like uh, that was not the case. It seems like this was a fantastic bet for Zwift to uh, to make on, on racing. And yes, like, oh my gosh. There's, there's been this sort of uh, assumption uh, for years now that, you know, uh, women's sports lose money. Yeah. And what we have been seeing in the last couple of years, especially, is that just being thrown out the door. And women's sports being one of the most exciting propositions for audiences, for sponsors, for investment. So this is uh, to, to see that pr be proven so correct uh, in the cycling space is a very exciting time. And it just paves the way for a very bright future in the sport. Mm hmm. And I think, you know, honestly, it was this race that made me really start thinking more about this podcast concept, mm -hmm. which is all about helping women kind of get their foot in the fitness industry, whether it's, you know, launching their own podcast or writing their own book or working for some of these established companies or working for a startup or starting their own company within the fitness space. Because I think, honestly, like now is sort of the time with women's sports. And I think, what we're going to part of what we're going to talk about today is coming into just an already established company as a woman and mm -hmm. you know how i would actually argue we have a a stronger 
bargaining stance to take as women coming into the the fitness industry. Like, hey, we we mm-hmm. understand women better than like, you know, forty five year old dude bro over here who's going to yep. come in and run the run the women's programming for some yep. reason. Uh, so I think it's a great time to be talking about all of this stuff. So couldn't um, agree more. Women's sports are so hot right now. So hot right now. Uh, so I do. This is actually a funny one for you because I'm realizing, as I said this, uh, the expectation versus reality question might actually be like kind of a, a comedic one be in like the flip flop of what I normally yes. expect from this. So I've, I've been starting every episode of this show with the question of like expectation versus reality. And I keep saying, you know, when you imagine being a yoga teacher, you picture yourself like on the mat and being very zen and in this like beautiful space and like (laughs) speaking to a a class of you know 30 students who are listening to your every word and the reality is probably you know a lot more admin on the computer and then like hushing people who are like chatting during class and uh you know squeaky floors and like you see a mouse running across so uh your expectations tend to not actually stack up to reality no matter how great the job is but for you uh you know when you took the role at Zwift or even when you heard the the Tour de France Femmes of Exwift was happening. What did you envision life looking like versus the actual reality of it? Oh, yeah, this is a good one. Um, so I did join Zwift six years ago to run a little program called Zwift Academy, which was going to be this competition on the platform to win a pro contract. So this is what I'm thinking is I'm walking into like, I'm now a reality TV producer. I am going to, we're going to create this global competition. It's going to be all glitzy and, and it's going to be the hottest thing in cycling right now. Um, and I'm like, I'm running the show, you know. Uh, the reality <laughs> was that there was no roadmap to this and uh, we're a startup. So, you know, ideas to fruition uh was all on me <laughs> it was just i was not the uh, yes i was the producer essentially of this program but that means that i was also playing every role uh to make it happen in execution and that you know ended up being literally coaching people through the workouts uh i was the i was the therapist for the finalists the travel agent to get everybody to the finals uh i was the judge of the competition i was a driver i was you know there was like nothing i didn't do so um in the yeah culminating in me being in a in my hotel room at the Zwift Academy finals under a comforter on my bed doing the voiceover for the initial videos that came out to cover the competition so that's you know from you know uh what you what you think to what what the actual reality is 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 hysterical but I'm so grateful to every every moment every beat of sweat that happened you know in that program because now Six years later, we're talking about, you know, sitting here as the title sponsor to the Tour de France, you know, uh, for women, the Tour de France Femme of X-Wift. So even that, though, like fast forward to the Tour de France, and I'm thinking, oh, well, now I'm a title sponsor. So now this is where things get glitzy. <laughs> and I'm in I'm in Paris on the stage one, and I have to get from the start of the race to where the finish of the race is before the race starts. So like long story short, I'm sprinting across Paris in my dress uh, to get, you know, down, you know, to get to the the finish line to do an interview on Eurosport seconds before the race starts. 
And, you know, that day on, I was on the podium on that first day for for the the, the race uh, as the title sponsor. I'm on the podium in my dress. And right before I got on the podium, somebody grabbed me. They're like, you have like salt stains all over your, <laughs> your dress. So we literally somebody took like a water bottle and hosed me down. So there's always, you know, yes, on Instagram, man, did that look good? Did it look like I, you know, I was all dolled up and, and you know, presenting but the reality is yeah there's a lot of there's a lot of uh hard work <laughs> and behind the scenes chaos literally love, literally sweat and tears here <laughs> i love every minute of it oh my gosh that is fantastic and i think a really good illustration <laughs> and i think also a good illustration of your trajectory at zwift though because what we didn't mention there is zwift academy was looking for women cyclists so this has always That's been correct. kind of this platform for you and that was a huge deal at the time yes so let's maybe like kind of let's actually go way back give me your sort of like 30 second elevator bio what's your career history how did we end up mm -hmm. at zwift yeah, so um, I started my career uh, early on. Um, first thing I did was produce fashion shows, actually. I, no. I really love being a facilitator of, uh, you know, uh, for artists. And and um, I knew some fashion designers. And next thing you know, we were doing fashion shows in Providence, Rhode Island, where I went to school. And um, from that, I actually ended up in uh, web production. Again, just like I somebody that's putting the pieces together and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, organizing teams and stuff. And then I got, I fell into racing and I, I fell in love with the bike and, and got really into racing my bike. And that was so exciting, but also not a great um, career, <laughs> uh, you know, viable career option. So I then ended up falling into the business of cycling, and I was the marketing director at the Valley Preferred Cycling Center, the Velodrome in Trexertown, Pennsylvania, one of the biggest velodromes in the country. And I worked there for a few years, and then I ended up meeting uh, a crew that was doing bike tours in Europe, and I was a marketing director for Thompson Bike Tours uh, in Europe. And that, the fun part of that job is I actually spent a uh, couple months a year going over to Europe and helping lead the tours because I had just come from racing. So I was pretty fit. Um, so that was really fun taking people all through the Alps and the Pyrenees. And I was taking them to the Tour de France, the men's tour, because that's all there was. And um, through that, I actually, I discovered Zwift because I saw a, lot, a bunch of my clients were doing Zwift. And I wrote Zwift an email. I had just moved out to California and I wrote Zwift an email and I said, hey, I'd love to do a partnership with you. Let's do a challenge. Let's do a Strava challenge and we'll give you a trip to the Tour de France to give away. And we did that challenge. And that's how I met the people at Zwift and built those relationships. And then next thing you know, um, they uh, approached me about this opportunity to do to host this global talent ID competition with Canyon Storm Racing, which was a the, the very exciting new world tour women's team. Um, and we were going to host a competition on the platform to win a pro contract with that team. And it was just an uh, just unprecedented opportunity. It was kind of crazy at the time. Um, but I was like this, I need a new challenge. And this is a very exciting proposition. I like that Zwift was trying to do something different. I had come from not really feeling like there was an opportunity to race my bike professionally or there was enough opportunity um so to create that opportunity on the platform was thrilling and that's how that's my zwift story
I love it. And I think what's interesting to me about that is if you reverse engineer it a little bit, mm -hmm. you know, like what got you into Zwift was, you know, it's not that you knew the guys at Zwift or anything yeah. like that. It was just like, oh, this is a cool thing that I like. Like, yeah. let's let's see how we can possibly connect what I'm currently doing with this. Yes. And I think a lot of people are really afraid of approaching businesses like that and trying to make those connections. And it wasn't even like you were approaching them, asking them necessarily like for, you know, for a job, for mm -hmm. money, for an opportunity. It was like, here, I'm giving you guys this, this opportunity to do something cool. And, you know, that coalesces into eventually where you are now. Yeah, um, it, it was very, it was very cool. I mean, it was, it was exciting to see Zwift doing things differently. And I was like, this is a company that I think would appreciate, um, you know, somebody being a little bit bold and, a, and an idea and, and they did. And then that, that just opens up other opportunities. So it, it was a really great start. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, okay, I, I want to go back to your fashion show background. Yeah. Did you ever have like an intense urge to work at any of like the cycling clothing places and try to kind of bring that fashion show expertise? Because now I'm picturing like fashion week for cycling. And I'm like, why have you not done this yet? Come on, Kate. <laughs> I know. Well, it is one of the things that really drew me to the sport. Um, my husband is a designer. I actually met him when I was doing the fashion shows. We we collaborated. He did my first poster for the fashion show. He was a screen printer and a designer. And that poster is hanging in our living room now, 20 years later. Um, but uh, one of the things that really drew me to cycling was this, the, the, the style aspect of it, you know, the ability to express yourself and compete and ride. And it was so cool. I mean, there's a beautiful history to it. Uh, cycling posters are some of the first uh, great graphic design. Yep. Um, it's just got a, a really exciting artistic creative history. Uh, and, you know, it. I think uh, between my husband and I that we both got into cycling together. He designed all my early kits. Uh, he still designs my kits. Um, and it's, it's something that's always drawn me to the sport and something I keep a close eye on in the sport. I don't know if I ever wanted to necessarily get into it, but it's just a, an aspect of, it I really appreciate. So, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's definitely what got me into it. It's funny. I didn't realize that you started in the fashion world. I actually also started in fashion with fashion journalism. So I was writing for L girl, the teen fashion magazine that was like oh based God, on L, uh, yeah. for like the year before they, they ended up closing and that was when i got into cycling was after that so yeah. i've like always had this kind of fashion or like aesthetic bent to how yeah. i feel about cycling and cycling just has such fascinating like brand awareness and brand aesthetics like every brand i feel like has this like amazing story and design and vibe and it's so different from brand to, like there's no just like one way of like cycling has to look like this, right? Yep. Like Rafa's whole vibe is so different from say yeah. Zwift, but it's not that they can't do stuff together and they actually can and do, yep. um, but they have such different aesthetics. So it's like, no matter who, no matter what your, your vibe is, there's somewhere in the cycling industry that like you can, you can get in and like, it's your niche. <laughs> it's so cool. I love it. And you, you've seen like design work to raise awareness for different causes to really uh differentiate you know of, of course like teams and 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 to just express and just to to you know it's it i love every year it kind of reinvents itself as well and you know things like you know what what like ef and rafa are doing or you know you, they they drop their their newest kit and it's like a clamoring i mean there's it's just incredible to see uh yeah how how fashion and cycling you know interact it's great 
Yeah, exactly. Although you wouldn't really guess it from me, I guess, because I just wear all black and I probably drive (laughs) brands crazy because anytime I'm reviewing stuff, I'm like, do you have it in black? Okay, what about gray? Okay, I'll take white, but like, that's my limit. (laughs) I (laughs) feel like I drive them nuts, but I have a very specific aesthetic. So there you have it. Okay, here's the deal. You want to take control of your health, of your life, but honestly, who has the time to go into the doctor, get the requisition for all the blood work, and then go to the lab and actually have that blood drawn, then wait weeks for the doctor to get back to you with the results? No, absolutely not. Inside Tracker is the way to go. And bonus, you can do it from the comfort of your own home with their mobile blood draw. It is so easy. Oh my gosh, so convenient, so safe, so reliable. All you have to do is when you order your Inside Tracker panel, you actually just add the mobile blood draw option and then boom, suddenly you have a lab tech at your house at a time that works for you to take your blood. We did this last month and honestly, it was the easiest experience I have ever had with blood draws in my life. So convenient. And then the turnaround on the results is so quick and instantly you get this whole view of what is going on inside you with all of the important biomarkers that you need as an athlete, as an entrepreneur, as a go-getter. So definitely, definitely check them out. Save time in your day, add time to your life with Inside Tracker's mobile blood draw. And if you visit insidetracker.com backslash feisty, you get 20% off today. That's insidetracker.com backslash feisty to get 20% off today. So at Zwift now, you know, the, the Tour de France Femmes is, is finally wrapped up, or I'm sure, I'm sure there's still a lot to be kind of done on the back end, wrapping something mm-hmm. as massive as that up. But what does a normal day in the life look like for you? You know, I know even as we went back and forth, finding a time to do this, it obviously like lots of stuff kind of comes up in your, in your ether throughout the day, but yep. like on an average day. Yeah. An average day, I'm an early bird starts early and I really need that time before I turn on my computer. So there's always just a little bit of balance in the morning, a little bit of a workout, walk the dog, have my coffee, um, you know, ease into the day, but the days start pretty early. Um, There's always sort of some routine kind of meetings and work to do, uh, you know, cleaning out the inbox, things like that. But I will say at Zwift, every day is a new day. And one thing that I plan for is the unplanned. And there's people dropping into the office. There's opportunities that come up. Um, there's uh, fires to be put out. It's it's still, you know, six years later, it still can feel like startup life sometimes. Um, I personally really thrive on that energy. And uh, I think if it was, if I knew exactly what I was going to be doing all day, I probably would not be as engaged. So I really appreciate sort of the improv nature of Zwift because to me, you know, uh, you know, that that feels like a challenge and an opportunity at the same time. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, always there's there's definitely times where I have to really try and, and block out focus time to to really delve into projects and planning. But there's also that time to be kind of reactive and in the moment. Um, which I which I really appreciate uh, being a, a lifelong athlete. Uh, I thrive in those moments. And uh, I think a lot of exciting things can happen in those 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 moments where, you know, there's an opportunity to collaborate or think differently. And that's what we do really well at Zwift. So 
And that's rarely come from a very, you know, super planned meeting that had, you know, an agenda with it. So mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so a little both. I love it. So when you came on, you were originally helping sort of start Zwift Academy up here. Mm-hmm. What was your job title then? And like, what is it, what does it evolved to now? Yeah, the, my job title has changed so much. I think it was originally partnerships manager, brand manager, senior growth marketing, cycling manager. Um, then I was a director of content and women's strategy and now <laughs> director of women's strategy. And I really appreciate the focus now, you know, even though that's a pretty big net women's strategy, you know, um, that, little. that, you know, that, that includes things we do in the game for the women's experience in the game, but also our, um, you know, our exterior partnerships and, you know, uh, you know, event sponsorships and things like that. So, it's been a wild ride and not a straight road at all. But again, uh, each of those opportunities, I've learned different aspects of the business. And all of that now has accumulated into a very exciting role as director of women's strategy that allows me to almost be a consult to different aspects of the business on best practices and, and a playbook for how we can grow our women's audience, how we can elevate the sport of women's cycling, uh, it's been it's been a phenomenal opportunity. Yeah, and I can imagine it like that role really would have you connecting with sort of every different person mm-hmm. at Zwift, more or less. Um, Pretty much. And you just mentioned like the you know the set in stone meetings don't tend to yeah. really net a whole lot of like stuff getting done. But how how does like the connection with everyone work, especially between like the remote work slash being in the <laughs> office? Also, I should apologize. It is pouring rain and like oh, wow. a massive thunderstorm happening. So if you just hear lightning crashing, hear it. yeah, yeah, it's a little excessive. So. Wow. Yeah, it, it's uh, 72 and sunny here again. Sorry. Yeah, you know what? We're we're coming your way in a couple months. So just look out. Our tiny dog is coming for your great Dane. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the only thing I do like consistent is the weather sometimes. Um, so the question, yeah, so... Um, I do really enjoy that aspect of my work is the ability to connect with people. Um, I take this back to my days and bike tours where, you know, you're ushering people up, you know, a 10 mile climb in the Alps and everybody's different in how they respond to stress and pain and a struggle (laughs) challenge. And, you know, some people talk your ear off. Some people are like, leave me alone. And my job is really to to get them up the climb safely and happily. Um, And it was sort of one of the things I found that I was really good at is connecting with people, uh, you know, across a really broad range, you know, and that's finding something that excites them or something that you share. I, I love I love connecting with people. And I found that that has been my superpower at Swift. And that takes an investment in people, an investment in what they do, a respect for what they do and their ways of working. And that's what's really allowed me to get the most out of my partnerships at Swift. And then the teams that I work with, the individuals I work with is is understanding, you know, how they work best, uh, how they organize their efforts um, and then how we can collaborate best. I really enjoy that. It's um, I think it takes a lot of uh, empathy and it also takes um, some some serious focus 
uh, and, and understanding, a willingness to sort of prepare and, and understand uh, everybody's workload. So um, that's, that's been something I really enjoy doing. And as, as, as a producer, project manager, somebody that likes to um, be a facilitator to executing, you know, large scale projects, uh, that's, that's something you really need to be able to, to harness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, all that sounds to me like you have a really good EQ, that ability to kind of read other people's emotions and sort of work within that, which I think is one of those skills that makes a job like yours just so much easier because, you know, for, for a lot of people, I'm sure it's a little bit like, oh no, women's strategy. We're going to have to like add a project to our already long to do yeah. list. Yeah. Uh, but to be able to kind of explain to someone, you know, why it should matter to them and why it's good for them and why it's a positive mm-hmm. and like communicate in the way that makes sense for them, uh, I think is, is such a huge skill and a really important one. Yeah. Um, and that actually reminds me of like in this current like remote or remote hybrid workspace that we all have now. Um, do you find with like communicating with different people within Zwift, do you find like for some people you default to email versus text versus call some people and some people prefer video? Do you kind of start just like having that in your head and just going with their styles? More so now than ever. Um, you know, everybody has a, a sort of a different way they like to communicate with the different way that they they are they respond. You know, some people are immediate. You know, slack them and they'll get right back to you. Others are like, hey, you know, send them uh, an email to set up some time in a week. You know, um, it's appreciating, you know, where people are coming from, um, using you know the appropriate channel for things. Um, being always mindful and respectful of other people's time. I don't like it when people come at me and say, hey, I need, you know, I need this yesterday or answer this kind of thing. Um, yeah. So I think, you know, there we have so many ways of communicating these days. So there's a lot of a, a lot of thought and patience need to go into how to best do that so as we don't just all, you know, have our brains overrun by context switching. <laughs> 110%. I will say, like, yeah. if I just, like, I have to kind of almost block the bottom of my you screen right now because I have too many apps that have little, like, notification bubbles that are exactly. terrifying me. Uh, so it's very hard uh, when when you're the one trying to be the conscientious communicator, so you're taking yeah. in the inputs from everywhere else to like meet people on the place that they they want to be met. It's definitely yeah. a, a tough a tough road, but yeah, find it. It does help get things done at yes. least. And um, sometimes it's also about communicating your best modes of you know of interaction as well. You know, so yeah. that you're setting up the pro- appropriate boundaries and you're setting up other people for a successful partnership with you. So yeah, exactly. Uh, so on that note, how do you, and I mean, it sounds like Zwift is very much like obviously on board with the women's strategy, obviously, you know, title sponsor for Tour de France Femmes. They started the Zwift Academy with women instead of going for like U23 men. So thank goodness for that, because that would have been a very boring reality show. Um, <laughs> just saying, just saying. Uh, <laughs> how do you keep a company like that, like focusing on kind of furthering women's development? Actually, maybe even in particular, because they've done so much, it would be very easy to kind of like sit back and and rest on, on the laurels here a little bit. Yeah, I mean, 
at the end of the day, it's making a good business case for it, right? Like we are in, you know, we are all, uh, you know, in, in the business world and things need to make sense. They need to add up and to contribute to growth of, you know, your, your platform, your offer, you know, your company. So we've seen such wonderful feedback from the investment we've made early on in women's, in our women's community, in our women's projects, our women's initiatives, that uh, I feel very lucky that I, you know, I started a company that, that started early on that. And now, you know, we're reaping the rewards of that as we uh, are able to be the title sponsor for the Tour de France Femme of XWIFT. So um, I feel, yeah, I guess it's, it's uh it's easy to make a case for it when things go as well as something like the tour recently when you know the audience numbers are off the charts and the fans are showing up and the um you know the the racing is fantastic and it just sort of proves your case that it's good business you know and it's it's good notoriety it's you know a, a great investment that's going to have a, a strong return um so i think a lot of it is you know uh, ensuring that you are uh, outlining, you know, uh, very specifically the impact on the business um, that you're you're um, able to showcase, you know, the successes and the metrics that you're using to gauge the success. So a lot of it is just comes really down to, you know, as simple as numbers. But I also really, really appreciate the qualitative aspect of like, how does this make people feel about Zwift? Um, there's so much great marketing data out there about women being a great target market uh, in terms of them making uh, financial decisions in households and being very loyal to companies that they share the values with. So there's just a lot of a lot of good cases, business cases out there to support investing in um, women's audience in women's sports. Um, so it's really, it's, it's ensuring that, um, you know, the people that I'm making decisions with are, uh, aware of that data out there, um, that really believe in it. We've seen such a great return on, uh, our, our investment in, you know, in women. So it's, you know, it's, it, it really helps support, you know, that, that further investment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I like what you just said about quantitative and qualitative. Mm -hmm. I think that's actually something that's it's very easy to miss in a lot like for a lot of people, we tend to be like one or the other or prefer one or the yeah. other naturally. Uh, so I feel like being able to blend the two is again, similar to having a, a good EQ, a very important trait for for when you're you know, kind of helping decide what projects are, are worth tackling next, what mm -hmm. changes need to be made, what's what's happening with stuff. Yeah. Um, so. On that note, um, you know, there there are a lot of projects kind of constantly going on, right? Like I imagine there's sort of your hum of everyday business of just, you know, the Zwift world and like the online component of it. But then you also have big events like the tour. Then you have even the the rundown after Tour de France mm -hmm. Femmes of XWift, uh, which you're also sponsoring for the next few years. So it's not mm -hmm. like, oh, we're one and done. This is like, okay, now we got to start planning for 2023. Yeah. Uh, you know, there there are all of these other projects going and they're all in various stages of development. And I know it's so easy to always focus on like the shiny thing that's on your plate right now. Yeah. How do you keep all of the projects organized? Like what apps are you using? How do you keep it straight in your head? How do you decide what to focus on any given day? Uh -huh. Give us the nitty gritty here. Yeah, um, headspace. 
<laughs> you know, headspace, it starts with headspace. Um, now, um, I think, uh, let's see, the apps that I use, I mean, it, it is it is staying organized. Um, it is making time in my day to organize my inbox, to um, update project statuses. Uh, you know, um, I'm trying to think what apps specifically I use besides like, you know, general Google suite um, and Slack, a lot of Slack. Well, even Google Suite, how do you use your calendar? What does that look like? Do you block off like time for yes. regular work or do you just have appointments? That's a, yeah, that's a great point. I do, you know, I, I ensure that I block off um, work time, heads down time, um, personal development time is a big one, you know, because I do need, you know, to kind of tap into, um, you know, ways to ensure that I am, you know, growing, you know, as a business professional, you know, and, and taking good care of myself and, and feeling like I'm um, learning new best practices, um, keeping my head straight so that I can, you know, be my best, you know, for uh, the next meeting I'm in, you know, so not, not spitting out of control. So making sure that, you know, if I, if I need a half hour between meetings that I just block that time so that I can't, you know, be overwhelmed. So it is kind of creating those boundaries, definitely creating um, some time for creative thinking uh, as well as reflection. Um, there's a lot of reflection right now from the tour and how we can, you know, evolve that and what are the ways we can bring our community on board um, with the exciting things that are happening in women's pro cycling right now. So it's easy to get overwhelmed. So I think it is ensuring that you're creating that that space to uh, absorb and react. Oh, love that. Um, you mentioned meetings and sort of that like time before yes. them to be prepared. Any tips for someone who has a lot of meetings and is like terrified of presenting, especially, and I mean, you know, I'm not sure what the exact like male to female ratio at Swift is, but walking mm -hmm. into a meeting room full of dudes yes. and knowing that you have to present to them and, you know, that's intimidating for anyone, but yep. any tips for, for walking in, feeling confident and delivering a good presentation? Cause I imagine you have to sell stuff too, right? Like you're, yeah. you're selling people on why this is a good idea. Even if like, we know that women's anything is a great idea, but as you said, we do need to, we need to prove the investment is a worthwhile one. Yeah. I have a couple tips and tricks for presenting. I really enjoy presenting and that did not come easily. Um, that has been years in the, in the, in the making. Um, there's a couple little tricks, like just breathing exercises of that, like, you know, six minute slow breath into the belly and then, you know, or sorry, six minutes, six seconds, six seconds in, six seconds out kind of thing to calm your nervous system. Um, the number one thing though is preparation. Um, if you understand what you're going to be talking about, if you can speak to it more casually and really know it backwards and forwards and uh, get people behind it, you know, that's gonna, that's gonna be your best bet in terms of communicating your ideas or communicating, you know, your, um, your project. Um, what are the, what else do I really like to do? Let's see. Uh, whatever makes you feel confident, you know, for some women that might be lipstick and heels, you know, you feel a little bit empowered for others. It might be just, you know, knowing your notes backwards and forwards. Um, 
I think, yeah, it's uh, trying to think what else I do when I when I present because I really do enjoy. Oh, this is my favorite thing. Yes, if you're having a good time, they're having a good time. So if if you are excited about what you're presenting, if and and maybe that's also in in your preparation for it, finding a way to talk about something that's going to be slightly more engaging or going to um, communicate your passion for it. But if you're if you're enjoying yourself and if you're clearly enthusiastic about what you're talking about, people are going to get on board with that. We we all want to be excited, you know. We want to be surprised. We want to be supportive. Um, I think that the general the natural human inclination is to you know to to appreciate each other and to you know to to be engaged. So you know, as much as you can do to create a presentation that is going to engage your audience and going to showcase your passion, your expertise, your knowledge is how you're going to really win over that audience. And then that's also going to be your most confident self. And that that's what it's, re it's really about, you know, taking deep breaths, practicing. Um, I like to practice. Uh, you have to say it out loud too. You can't just read it on your screen. You have to say it out loud. And I, yeah, I'm lucky. My brother is an actor, and he has taught me a lot of this on how to to properly prepare for auditions. Um, and you have to put yourself in the in in uh, as close to the environment as possible in advance so that you're ready. Because I've definitely gone into meetings where I'm like, "Wow, I know this backwards and forwards," and then you're there, and maybe like the whole audience is shut down, so you're not getting feedback or something. So you have to you have to still be you know, as engaging without that immediate feedback. Um, so you got to kind of be prepared for for all situations. And that's just really, you know, uh, you know, I always think about like, you know, just telling my family what I'm doing, you know, and like what kind of energy I bring to that conversation, you know, so definitely energy is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And I mean, obviously it's served you quite well. I mean, you've been interviewed so many times in the past couple months. I mean, I saw you in Forbes for crying out loud, <laughs> uh, which is just like next level terrifying in my book, <laughs> um, but just like so amazing and so exciting to see, you know, that whole, just everything kind of coming out and talking about the advancement of women's sports and how you know, these, this American company is playing a role in changing the most iconic race in the world and bringing it into, you know, the current century. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I think I have a very easy job getting people excited about this, you it's know? It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Although, you know what? I, I imagine the early days of Zwift Academy were actually not nearly as easy to get no. people super excited and on board. Not um, at all. Yeah, there was a lot of convincing. Anytime you have a you know startup situation and and a, a company that's coming in and changing what people think they know about cycling, uh, one of the oldest sports and established sports with a lot of rules, um, and uh, you know a long you know long kind of iconic history. People don't necessarily like it when you come in and you shake things up. Um, now I feel like we've gotten. The confidence behind us uh, from a lot of the industry, uh, the athletes, uh, the organizers that, you know, hey, if Swift is doing something, let's let's take another look and let's see, you know, there, there's some trust in there um, because we've tried things and we really put our whole heart into it. And we uh, always are just about growing the sport and bringing more people into the sport, uh, making it more accessible and inclusive. 
So it's, um, you know, it's really exciting to see how those early conversations of trying to convince people. And now it's like, you know, they're, they're banging down the door to want to collaborate. And that's, that's great. That's really great. So I want to kind of talk about just like the anatomy of getting any one of these projects sort of like from this conception mm -hmm. to where it actually happens. And I mean, I know some of them like Tour de France Femmes of X Swift is going to be a much longer lead out. Mm -hmm. But can you maybe think of like a smaller project that we can kind of talk about from like when it first started to when it launched and kind of get into a bit of the nitty gritty of what it looks like to make that happen? Because I think a lot of people think like the tour stuff just starts kind of the month before. Yeah. Uh, but any of these projects are typically like year months in the yeah. making, if not years. There's always so much more behind the scenes that goes on before you actually just see it, you know, come to yeah. fruition. And also, do you have um, like a board where you list out just like what current projects are happening? Like, how do you keep track of all of them? Because they're all in different stages, right? Yeah, they are. Um, you know, we have various documentation we use at work to, to organize the projects and the various efforts, a lot of briefs, um, a lot of briefs that allow different teams to sort of input their um their work on a specific project so you'll have like a brief for zwift academy and it'll have you know the marketing component the in-game component the pr component the social component you know so it allows us to uh organize all of our efforts so and that's actually how most projects start they start with a brief that outlines the objective because you always have to have something simple and concise that you're going to ladder up to and everything has to sort of answer to that so then any um action you take anything that you create around the project is going to ultimately deliver uh on that objective so that's a big part of it is having clarity from the start um and then it's going channel by channel to understand how to best bring the project to life uh, what resources you will need and, uh, and allocating those resources. I've had resources pulled last minute on a, on a project and that's had big impacts. So there's also always some flexibility needed in a, in a project plan. But um, it is about, about regular status meetings. So for something like Zwift Academy, Zwift Academy is almost a year-round project because, you know, the one month of in-game content and then the week-long uh, Zwift Academy finals, that's five weeks, but it takes the rest of the year to plan that. And it's a huge effort across the company um, to ensure that it's a seamless experience, you know, um, and it involves working with partners and it involves working with every team at, in the in the business uh, to ensure that that we are, you know, are, are putting forth a, a product that, you know, um, that I guess, you know, is, you know, from from the outside audience, you know, looks like a very complete proposition and is easy to understand, to engage with, um, easy for the media to talk about. Um, you know, anything that looks simple is typically that, you know, the, this more simple it is, the harder uh, the work was behind the scenes to ensure that simplicity. It's like kind of like logo design. You know, my, my husband being a designer always tells me like logo design is probably one of the most complex things. And the better the logo, the more simple it appears, you know, and the more simple it is, uh, you know, to to sort of, uh, you know, remember and, and interact with. So, yeah, so I think uh, for any of these really uh, complex projects, it is really all about 
making sure that your internal teams are in lockstep, that it's easy to communicate to the media, and uh, that you know you're you're just doing regular status updates to keep everybody uh, on the same page, keep the project project moving forward. It's going to allow you to better react to those you know speed bumps. Um, that inevitably will happen. You know, nothing ever just is pulled off super smooth. There's always something that happens. So, you know, being able to to react to that is a big part of it as well. So, yeah, I, I think uh, I think that kind of, you know, very high level captures like how, how you pull something like that off. But there's a lot that goes in behind it. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it is just late nights and, and just, you know, uh, you know, taking the time to really think things fully through and uh yeah and a lot a lot of collaboration yeah and it's funny because even if even as i'm thinking about this from even just like a personal level i think the project brief is actually something that a lot more people could do on even solo projects or like with very small businesses and it's a step that gets missed and yeah. is probably ludicrously helpful for for a lot of people so i think that was yes. some really good uh, yeah, something tangible that, advice. Exactly. So, to outline your objective and the channels that you're going to use to make this happen, you know, and the resources is just, you know, something that you can always go back to, you know, when things start to get a little out of hand, something you can always um, defer back to to keep you focused. Yeah, so good. Um, okay, so you have all of this stuff going on at work, but you also just raced like SBT gravel the other weekend. <laughs> uh, no big deal or anything. Yes. Uh, so the one question I really want to keep asking everyone on this podcast is when you're a woman in the fitness industry, I do think, and maybe you can even like argue with me about this. I think there's like a bit of a assumption that you are going to be fit enough to do X, Y, Z thing, whether, you know, it is like, racing this gravel race or uh you know if you're a yoga instructor you should be able to do like theoretically like do this advanced yoga which i know isn't true but i would say the pressure does exist yeah so but at the same time we also have very busy lives and <laughs> as work gets busier uh trading gets harder and harder to fit in so how how do you fit in the training for something like sbt um and and you know, how does it feel? Do you feel yeah. the, the same thing as me where you kind of feel like you should be able to perform? Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially as a, an ex-pro racer, I have this um, unrealistic expectation of <laughs> where my fitness should be. Right. I think we all have that. So there's always a little part of me that wants more time to ride and more time to to train and, and feels like I'm I'm letting myself down. And I think it's coming to terms with that feeling and being more realistic about it and my time and what my priorities are right now. This year, my priority is ensuring that the Tour de France Femme of Zwift was the best it could possibly be. And so any kind of cycling, um, you know, fitness uh, expectations kind of went out the door. Um, but I also know to be at my personal best uh, in the office, I need, do need to be balanced. And uh, exercise is a big part of my balance. It's a big part of my my release. It's a, it's sort of my my drug of choice, you know, for, um, you know, I guess, feeling feeling good about myself, and, uh, you know, keeping up energy levels and um, being able to stay kind of focused at work as well. You know, if, it's, if I feel sort of balanced and happy outside of work, I'm going to be more balanced and happy inside of work. 
So I adjusted what I would typically do. You know, I, I ride almost 10,000 miles a year. And this year, that's just not going to be possible. So I just ride when I can. Um, I try to combine work and play when I can. So riding with coworkers, Zwifting uh, is a very efficient way to stay fit. So I, I Zwift quite a bit. And also just, like I said, resetting those expectations. So instead of saying I'm going to top 20 at Steamboat, I said to myself, I'm going to finish with a smile. Um, it's a hundred miles. I have not been able to maintain, uh, you know, the kind of weekly volume that would make me crush a hundred miles, but I can maintain just enough that I can hopefully finish with a smile. And so I finished with a smile and I finished 15th, <laughs> you know, I think not part of bad, that not bad. I was having fun, um, you know, so it is. I do prioritize fitness still. Um, uh, you know, I've heard so many people sometimes in the industry be like, you know, oh, the the more you work in the cycling industry, the less you ride your bike. And I just, I don't believe that has to be true. Uh, it does take uh, some prioritization and some compromise at some level. Something has to go if you're going to sneak in that hour of fitness. Maybe it's an hour of sleep sometimes. Um, but if you prioritize it in your life, you kind of find a way um to to at least you know stay relatively fit and it also i've always felt like being um a cyclist in this industry and and my background in in racing has really contributed to my um my success in in my job you know it's a, it's allowed me to uh understand our customer it it allows me to you know, talk with all levels of the industry, um, especially when we were talking about Tour de France, you know, Femme of X Zwift, uh, being able to relate to teams and riders in a different way. So for me personally, it's an asset to my job. So I, I make it uh, a priority in my life. Oh, yes. Could not agree more. Uh, you're right. Everyone always talks about how when you start in the cycling industry, you're never going to have time to ride. And yeah, it, I can definitely see where it's true. And it's frankly why I got into running when I was managing yeah. a team and I was on the road all the time. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. Like if you prioritize it, you can certainly figure it out. Like I yeah. And sometimes with travel and stuff, it is not easy. And sure. there's definitely times I'm just doing like sit-ups and push-ups in my hotel room or something like that just to, you know, take the edge off and, and maintain some sort of level of fitness. But, you know, as soon as I have access to a bike, I've I've been known to rent, uh, you know, a city bike and just like do 20 miles around Paris or something. Oh, totally. I <laughs> was going to say, I like, remember I staying, get in. Uh, yeah, I remember staying at the USA Cycling House, like when I was managing a team and borrowing their fixed gear, like junkers yes. that they have lying around and just pedaling away on them just to have something yep. to ride. Yeah. Yeah, has Absolutely. two wheels, will ride. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, okay, well, you've you've made the sound both incredibly glamorous and incredibly unglamorous. Yeah. So, you know, the, the big question is, uh, you know, how can I get your job? So what are your tips <laughs> for women who are kind of looking into getting into maybe maybe some of these kind of a blend of, I guess, tradition? You're kind of in this space that's like traditional but untraditional, right? You're working mm -hmm. for... Kind of a, a more corporate company but it is still kind of a startup you're mm -hmm. you know you've done kind of all of the roles that are more traditional but you're also now women's strategy so that's mm -hmm. something a little bit different so yeah how how can someone kind of find their their niche in 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 this industry if, if you were to yeah. do it all over again i think um definitely finding your unique superpower you know we all have them um where you're going to be the biggest asset to the company what sets you apart you know as opposed to trying to fit in all the time uh, think about what you have to bring to the table. 
So, um, and that involves also honing your own skills. You know, there's a lot I've done in my own time um, to whether that means, you know, to, you know, researching the, the women's world tour and just knowing as much as I possibly can about my, my subject, you know, or, um, you know, personal development, um, you know, just trying to, trying to figure out where your passions lie and, and how those interact with your skills. And, you know, uh, don't be afraid to put yourself out there, um, rely on mentors, friends to, uh, help, uh, you know, read your resume, read your cover letter network. I love networking. Zwift should have business cards, like where you can yeah. like tap someone on the shoulder in a ride oh, and I like, like that. hand them a business card. You're under an idea. Please get that but started is, for me. Yeah, it is. It's making connections with people, you know, um, getting outside your comfort zone to, to join a networking event or to ask, you know, somebody that you really uh, admire for a 15 minute conversation, you know, or some, something, something different ways that you can, um, learn more about your industry, um, without, you know, you gotta also be kind of respectful. You gotta show that you understand that, you know, people are busy and things like that as well. But, um, you know, definitely following your, following your passion, doing the work, um, and uh yeah and, and just uh, you know definitely having some uh support in you know reading through your linkedin profile and uh your you know the the different ways you're presenting yourself um you know on the on the great wide web <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> and that's not to say tiktok dances are a bad thing yeah but it's just like that knowledge that like this is the the image that you're putting out and if that's the image then yeah like, and that's fantastic I, I also i'm a big big fan of being your authentic self mm -hmm. you know because you know that's 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 kind of where we're all best and yep. there's going to be somebody that's going to appreciate it. not everybody is going to appreciate it you know and it's about finding the right work environment the right uh future teammates that are going to appreciate what you bring to the table. And that, that that's not an easy thing, you know, and I've definitely, I've applied to jobs where I'm like, oh, I know I'm the perfect fit for this. And I never even got a call back and it's crushing, but that should never stop you, you know, keep going, keep, keep going with your personal development, your personal projects, your, um, you know, your relationships and opportunities eventually open. It's not going to be overnight. It's a, it's the long game. Um, my career has been very long one in cycling at this point. And I'm, it, like I said, you know, it was a very windy kind of career, but I'm so happy to be where I'm at. And it was, uh, you know, it, it was trying to seize every opportunity and to to make a lot of different connections. Don't be afraid to send that email or to, you know, show up at that event, um, you know, where, where, wherever you most feel comfortable or sometimes, like I said, uncomfortable too, because you got to, you got to stretch yourself too. You got to put yourself in, in positions that, um, you know, are going to expand um your knowledge expand your network um and uh, you know and and just create those exciting opportunities you know and you never know when it's all going to kind of connect and and you know and hit and you know i can't believe when when zwift responded to my email that i sent to partnerships at zwift i just sent it into the great void and i got an email back like the next day it was sort of like hey why don't you come down to the office let's talk this through you know and so it's just little things like that sometimes that that really work mm -hmm. Oh, so good. Okay. So what's, uh, what's next? What's happening at Zwift? What, what should we know about before I let you go here? 
Yeah, well, Zwift Academy is launching um, in September, September 12th. You can sign up now. That's a, a great program that is not only the Talent ID program for the next pro contract. So if you're going for a pro contract, definitely do it. But it's also for everybody. And it's really going to teach you more about who you are as a cyclist, where your strengths and weaknesses are, going to teach you uh, how to get through some some great challenging workouts. So you're going to come out of it with more fitness and a lot more knowledge on who you are as a, as an athlete and on the bike. So that's exciting. Um, we've got, yeah, some new launches this fall. So I definitely, you know, if you're, if you're not on the platform, get on the platform. And if you are, be excited for, you know, some new roads always. We're shaking things up. Um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's shaping up to be a really great season on Zwift, um, coming off of the Tour de France Femmevex Zwift. I think there's the, the women's community especially is super hyped right now. And there's so many wonderful women's clubs and events to join, um, to keep motivated, to make new friends. Um, yeah, there's, there's, it's going to be a great fall season. Uh, I'm looking forward to it because honestly, I need to kind of, I kind of want to get back into a little bit more routine and that's what Zwift is really good for helping create that kind of habit and, uh, you know, create that consistency so that, you know, you can attack the rest of your life with, uh, you know, some really solid energy. Oh, so good. Okay. Where can everyone find you follow along, follow along with Zwift and Tour de France Femmes Avec Zwift? And yes. the, pod the podium squirrel, <laughs> <Give us all, laughs> all the links, all the URLs hit us. Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely Zwift.com if you have not really, if you're not familiar with the product to kind of understand uh, how you do it. Um, Zwift.com backslash watch the femme is our uh, campaign around our Tour de France Femme of Zwift partnership. So and kind of will keep you abreast of some of the exciting things that are going on in our women's community. Uh, my personal Instagram is just Kate Verano, uh, which is my last name. I can't really think of anything else. Just the podium squirrel. You didn't drop oh, the yeah. Instagram podium squirrel. The podium yeah, squirrel. podium squirrel. Yes, uh, that is Scotty the squirrel, who is our um, uh, was given to the stage winner of every stage at the Tour de France. He's the mascot of Zwift, and he had a wonderful debut at this year's tour. Um, now everybody, uh, employees and our community, are clamoring for a podium squirrel. It's a, a beautiful 16-inch stuffed animal. Um, wearing please, a second cap that says, watch the fan. Please tell me they're <laughs> going to be available for order. I want to get one for DW for not Christmas. Not yet, not yet, but we'll see. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if we'll be able to, to, to keep him from our, his biggest fans. They're I don't his, think so. Their I, biggest let, fans. We're actually not sure. You. Yeah. Scotty could be a man or a woman. It's S-C-O-T-T-Y and, uh, yeah, they yeah, I, are. Yeah, the cap too, the, the watch the thumbs <laughs> cap I have gotten, and I'm not kidding you dozens of messages asking where someone can get one. So I think Love next it. year you guys are probably going to have to figure out. There's going like to be like some it. exciting merch next year. Um, it was, it was fun to, to roll out those caps and, and musettes that just had that simple message of watch the thumb and it worked you so know, good. watched. So uh, a lot of fun and, and we're definitely going to build off of that next year. Amazing. Awesome. Well, Kate, thank you so much for doing this. This is such a, a pleasure chatting with you about all of this nerdy business stuff. So thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Molly. Always a pleasure. 
Molly here again, just jumping in to give you a quick wrap up to this amazing episode with Zwift's Kate Verano. I loved doing this episode. I've loved watching Kate just really crush it in her career, bring that Tour de France Femmes of X Zwift to life this season. Uh, and, you know, just everything she's done with Zwift Academy and keeping Zwift on the, you know, on the path towards getting more women on bikes. Anything that does that makes me very happy. So what did we take away from this episode? First of all, you can't get what you don't ask for. So when Kate ended up at Zwift, it wasn't necessarily because she applied for a specific job, but it was because when she was working at the bike tour company, she just got in touch with Zwift when she had a cool idea. So coming to some of these companies that you wanna work for, your dream company, come to them with a cool proposition. You never know what could happen. Uh, the second thing she pointed out is don't be afraid to Go to people who are already in the job that you want and ask for a little bit of their time in a very respectful way, obviously, but it's always worth that quick email, ask for a conversation. A lot of people in the industry are so happy to talk to people, especially women who are trying to get into this very male-dominated space. And of course, my personal favorite thing, because you all know I love a good organizational tactical tip, love her point about keeping her Google Calendar very booked off and really making that space for the creative endeavors, blocking off time for just thinking about projects, spending time on projects, uh, not just responding to people by email or getting into yet another meeting. You know, you really need to schedule that time to work on these bigger things. Otherwise, frankly, they never make a whole lot of progress. So definitely carve out that think time, that work time for yourself, and make it as important as the meeting with your boss. All right, that is all for this episode. We will see you next week over on the Feisty Media Women's Performance Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, and you've been listening to The Business of Fitness. All right, thanks, and get to work. <laughs>